This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I love the emotion of things. Like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. If something hits me like that, it means the world to me. I just feel lucky that I picked up a camera. You guys, if you're not emotional about photography, and I mean, I didn't have any other plan. Like, this was going to work. There was no way. I couldn't see failure in my brain. Like, I was not going to let myself fail at this. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is the one and only Peter Hurley, and we had such an amazing interview. We did jump around a bit at the beginning, but make sure to stay all the way until the end because Peter shares so much useful advice throughout the entire episode. If you know Peter, you know that he's a really funny guy and he does not disappoint during our interview, but he also showed us a different side of himself and it was really touching and just so great to hear about his personal journey throughout his life and his photography career. Peter actually refers to himself as the 180 loser, which might seem a little bit harsh, but it makes so much sense once you hear why he uses this term loser. So Peter has had quite an amazing life, training for the Olympics, becoming a model, then having to move in with his brother, and then ultimately becoming the best headshot photographer in the universe, not just in New York. And I know Peter will love me for saying that. All right, so excited for you to hear this episode. Let's get started with Peter Hurley. Hey, Peter. Welcome from New York to the Portrait System Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm, gosh, New York. What a crazy place to be right now, I guess. It's been crazy. It's actually kind of getting back to some normalcy, I would say. It's very crowded and the traffic's back and people are bustling around with their masks on, luckily. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Has your business changed at all and as far as like pivoting or anything? Or are you still just business as usual? No, I mean, it's completely, you know, it's it's starting to ramp up slowly. You know, um, I specialize in headshot photography and yeah. I do portraits, yeah. uh, two portrait sessions as well. So last week I didn't have one person. This week I shot Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then somebody wanted to come in over the weekend for a portrait session. So I'm shooting on Sunday. So luckily it's, it's starting to trickle in 
And, yeah. you know, in the downtime, it's been, you know, it's been a lot of downtime and I could have used my time a little bit more wisely, I think. <laughs> but, but, you uh, know, who cares? Like take yeah. some time off just to relax, you know? I know. I think I indulged in some heavy drinking and uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm in like, the studio. <laughs> well, I was in Australia when it all went down and I, I had mm-hmm. to cancel all my workshops there and this, I raced sailboats to so this world championship got canceled. So I had to fly back in the middle of it because... Trump had just shut down Europe. And I was like, well, if he comes over and shuts down planes coming in from Australia, I'm not going to get home. I better go. And then I self-quarantined for 16 days in my studio, which doesn't have a shower and is not oh, was not wonderful. I did shower once in 16 days, but I was like, nobody smelled me anyway. So right, what's the right. big deal? I'll be all right. Oh, and then I got God. my COVID test and I was negative all that time. So oh, who knows? Oh my God. Wow. That's quite the COVID story. Mm. Wild. We were actually in Mexico when it all went down, my husband and I and our two kids. And we kind of didn't even really, like we weren't, we were kind of doing like an unplug thing, not checking Facebook or news. So we really didn't even quite understand what was happening. Because in Mexico, it was just business as usual. It was like nothing was happening. So we were like, wait a minute, what's going on? The schools just shut down? Like we were so confused. And we got home like just in time. It was wild. Wow. Wow. Crazy times. Crazy. Anyway, okay. So speaking of sailing, something I know about you is that you were either in the Olympics or training for the Olympics prior to being a photographer, right? Yes. Yes, that was my thing. It's tough. I say, I mean, I was training during two quadrenniums for the 96 and the 2000 Olympics. And in ni- we have an Olympic trials in the United States and only the first guy goes. So in 1996, I finished eighth. I wasn't really close and I was kind of frustrated and, you know, I bailed on it and came to New York and I don't know, somebody thought I was good looking enough to be put in front of a camera. So I had my picture taken a lot, and um, nice. which was fun. Yeah, I got into modeling that way. And then in 2000, it was like 1999. I was like, 2000's here. And I, I was at this seminar and this guy was doing this thing on decision making. He's like, and he, he knew I was training for the, other, the 96 Olympics. So he's like, why aren't you going for 2000? I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I hadn't even thought about it. And I, like with a year till the Olympics, most people, you know, the athletes train for the whole quadrennium. And this is the one thing that, that I feel so bad about with COVID is that everybody preps and gets ready for that specific <sighs> date. And then the date is immovable. I always tell people when I'm, you know, in my life with, you know, procrastination and like moving deadlines and not and stuff like that. I always look at the Olympics as like my Olympic trials were I had to peak when I had to peak and there was no ifs, ands or buts. Mm-hmm. Like there was no way around mm-hmm. it. And unfortunately in 2000, I was peaking. I did, I was doing really well coming into the Olympic trials, but I hadn't peaked and I was winning the Olympic trials at the beginning of the event. And then I just kind of fell apart a little bit. I couldn't quite come back. So top five guys make the U S sailing team, which was one of my goals in life. And I made it, I finished fourth at the Olympic trials and I went and trained in Sydney, but I didn't get to sail in the Olympics. So I say I trained for two Olympics. Some people get it wrong and say I was on, in the Olympics. I was never in the Olympics, but I did train for two quadrenniums and I was ranked 17th in the world at my height of my hey, sailing close career. close enough. Close enough. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Not many people can say that. So very, very cool. I still do it too. I love it. Now I do it in See, my age group and that. I've been second in the world twice since getting back into it. And so I'm, wow. I'm like amazing i love it now now i'm like oh my gosh i'm like i'm always usually top five if i don't get second the guy who went there's one guy that keeps beating me and i gotta beat him but but i love it it keeps me in shape gets me back into my boat which is where i'm very creative as well 
it's really cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. So not only are you considered the best headshot photographer in New York, but you're also second in the world for sailing right now. I mean, that's pretty cool life to have. <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> It's pretty cool. So how did you get into photography then? Like, so so the Olympic thing, you know, you have fun with it. It doesn't quite go your way, but whatever. It's still amazing. And then what? So there was that hiatus between the two quads that I came to New York. What happened was when I was training, I needed sponsors. And one of my neighbor, his sister-in-law was a designer for Donna Karen. And she was at his house one day. And it was down on the Jersey Shore where I grew up sailing and I was sailing so and they were out on the dock and she saw me sail by I said hi and they said come over and meet her and I was like okay so I went over there and she's like you need sponsorship and you need pictures for your sponsorship and I'm gonna help you and I was like really I was like okay so she got a photographer took some pictures of me she sent the pictures around I ended up getting sponsored by a bunch of different companies including DKNY and then she got a call from a friend who said Polo was looking for real sailors for their polo sport Ralph Lauren ad campaign for that next summer and they thought I'd be perfect so they sent my pictures over to polo and and they said I had to go in the city have a meeting I had a meeting and I never modeled before I was like I don't know what this is all about and they gave me the job and I showed up on the set and Bruce Weber was the photographer and I didn't know who he was or anything about fashion or portrait photographers And I just feel really fortunate that not only did he take my picture and take amazing ones, we became friends. So he mentored me. Well, he helped me. Modeling's tough. I mean, I didn't think I was that good looking. You know, I was like, I really, like the guys, if you can get an agent in New York, you really got a really good look. And I did not think I I had that. So I had an agent, my, my ad came out for Ralph Lauren and it was all over the world. Wow. And I finished the Olympics and missed the team. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to New York and try this modeling thing. So I walk into the agency that Bruce told me to go to. And I had all my pictures. And they said, you know what? We don't think you can do it. You're probably not right for this. And I was like, oh, great. So I called Bruce. And I was like, look, the, the one you sent me to just said no, even though my picture's all over the world right now. How can, how can they say I can't do this? <laughs> I was like, I just did it. I did it. It's out there. Like, I have the magazine, you know. Anyway, so he sends me to this other guy. And he's like, all right, I think you can do it. But you need some pictures. I'm going to send you to Barcelona. So he sends me over to Barcelona. And I end up living in Spain. I go to Barcelona and Madrid. And I start my modeling Stop, career. Peter. Yeah. Like, seriously, your life. Like, <laughs> This is amazing. I mean, how would you even know that from sailing would come modeling and then your next thing you know, you're like in Spain, New York, Spain, Madrid, like what? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know. I didn't know. But I got, but the, the story, I call myself like a 180 degree loser because every single story is because I failed at something and then I started. I still kept my ground. Like I failed at the Olympics. So I got sent to New York and I got this modeling career, but then I went into the agencies and they all blew me off. And the guy sent me to Barcelona and Madrid and it was okay, but I came back and I walked into the the agency of the same guy who sent me there. And he goes, no, I don't think you're right for us now. So I like lost again. So now I'm like no agent. I'm living in New York. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I didn't know what to do. And I started to go to all these like, like I tried to get my pictures together and go to these like, they're basically considered lower level, like the high fashion agents and then lower level agents. And then there's commercial agents, which is more like doing an ad for Coke or American Express mm-hmm. or Verizon instead of Gucci Prada, you know, Dolce & Gabbana or whatever. Right. So I was, I went to those agents and they were like, yeah, we'll try and work. We'll work, we'll work with you. So 
and then I went back to the fashion agent and got in. Anyway, it was this series of failures. And every time you walk into a casting as a, as a model, there's another 50 guys in the room that are really damn good looking. I'm looking around and I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? Look at these guys. Meanwhile, I'm getting visual. I'm visual and I'm starting to get my, you know, an idea. I actually got the idea to start photography from Bruce. Bruce was like, you should pick up a camera. And I was like, why? I was like, I don't know why I should pick up a camera. But I got so intrigued by the human face. So I'd sit in these castings. I'd look at all these guys that were good looking, you know, that were up against me. And I'd be miserable because I'm looking at them like that. But I was like, well, if I, if I photograph that guy, it'd be cool on that angle and stuff like that. So that was like this, the start of my thinking that I might be able to do this. And then I worked with some amazing photographers. And I was like, well, they got a cool life. I was like, that would be a cool life. I think that's a cool job. I was like, maybe I'll try it. So I did. I bought a camera. And anytime I was photographed in those days, it was all film, obviously. And anytime I was photographed for a job, all the photographers used medium format. Like the only photographers that really shot me on 35 millimeter that I can recall were like test photographers for models there weren't that many jobs shot on 35 millimeter so i was like well when i get a camera i'm going to get a medium format camera my first camera i didn't know what the heck i was doing but i was like that's what i'm going to get so i did and i went back to madrid because i had met this girl always a girl involved <laughs> and, uh, and she's, <laughs> yeah, i'd met this girl and she's like so the second olympic trials had ended at this point and she's like i'm going to go to europe to model and I was like, well, I don't have anything to do. I'm going with you. So I had a friend in Madrid who I'd met the last time I was there. And he's like, you can come stay with me. And it just so happened that Bruce was doing a shoot for Casa Vogue in, in Sevilla. So he invited me down to go see him. And we were there. And we went all over the south of Spain with this other photographer friend of mine named Ramiro Montoya. And he had a dark room in, in his apartment in Madrid. So we're going around the south of Spain, and I hadn't bought the camera yet or anything. I had a little, like, film, used film camera that I did buy. And he's shooting me with this girl, and I'm holding back on the girl because I was going to let the cat out of the bag. She ended up becoming my wife. My wife is this girl I'm talking about. I, I had a feeling you were going to yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. So we go all over the south of Spain. We have all these amazing pictures of us from that time. And we stayed with Bruce, which was an awesome time. And then we got back to Madrid and he took me to the one photo store there and I bought him a Mia 645. And then we, we processed all the film that he had shot of us in his darkroom. So we were, I was printing, he taught me how to print, he taught me how to do everything. And then I left, but I had to leave right away. Somehow the timing was, I bought the camera like the next day I left. So he never taught me how to use the camera. He was a Hasselblad shooter and was using that, but he never taught me anything with the camera that I bought. So it's kind of clueless, but I bought a Polaroid back and I was like, okay, I'll pull some Polaroids, see what I'm doing. And I remember just wasting tons of Polaroid film and I, I didn't know what a flash sync was. So everything came out black and it was just like, I'm just going to give up. I'm, I was trying to shoot at night with this Mets flash that I bought and I was like, okay, forget it. I'm just going to shoot daylight from that. I'm not, I'm not going to shoot any with any lights. I'm just going to shoot daylight because <laughs> so, I couldn't figure, I didn't know what the, I didn't know what a flash sync was. I didn't know where to put the shutter speed. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Anyway, long story short, we got back to New York and I walked into B&H and I bought everything I needed for a dark room because I was so excited because I had, he had taught me that. 
and I put it in my mom's basement in Jersey and I started shooting black and white film and I would process the film in my apartment in New York in a canister and hang the film and the film put the film in some binders and then roll out to Jersey and print it on the weekends. Isn't that so cool? And it's like, you know, obviously Bruce taught you a lot, of course, you know, but there was something in you that showed Bruce that, you know, he obviously wanted to mentor you or whatever, but it just makes me think how important it is to have this sort of ability to network with people and connect with people. And you never know who you're going to meet that is going to help elevate you and just take you under their wing. It was huge. I mean, it, it wasn't so much... It's interesting that you say that because I, I people always ask me like what you know normally the question I get is like what you what you learn in front of the camera that you bring behind the camera and how did that help your career and propel you because most photographers are never in front of the camera so they're always like I'm hiding behind the camera how does that help you you know so but my thing was like I, I always try to dig into how Bruce helped me because it wasn't he wasn't telling me any camera settings or mm-hmm. anything or you know, we never talked about specifics about photography or how to do anything. It was like, he's like, here, Peter, I think you'd like this book. So he gave me this, this David Bailey book on photography, which was awesome. He gave me a bunch of books on photography, which was really nice. But I think what it was is being like on the sets that I was seeing him work. Mm -hmm. Like that was the top of the game. So I was there you know, as a model, you're there and you're looking at it and then you see the shots that come out of that happening. And, and that was it. I was like, I had a aesthetic that I was trying to get to with my film and I kind of had an idea of what was good and you start to build a taste about it. And I, Bruce is my biggest source of inspiration ever, you know, in my work and not to emulate his because I think it's impossible. I think he's such a genius his is really about a, a vibe and a feeling and a connection with the with the subject that's in a way that you just it's just really unique and amazing because I was I was the subject for him and then I was you know talking shot with him about photography so it was just really an amazing time in my life and I think you're right about people I think that these people come around, along in your lives that like change the trajectory of where you're going mm-hmm. and I don't think it happens without a person I think we all feed off of each other and, and, you know, people say, oh, you get lucky here, you get lucky there and things happen. And it was like, I mean, if it was luck for me, I wouldn't have the skill set to back it up. You know, it was like, right. You still have to do the work. Yeah. I was really into what I was doing. Like I wouldn't sleep. I was like, I remember like now I'm so into working out. Like I work, I'm working out like a fiend to try and stay in shape for this boat, you know, and get back to the, you know, to be able to compete at the level I was competing in. Like I'm 50 now. And I, neglected my body because of my photography career for a long time. So I got out of shape. I pinched a nerve in my neck. I hurt myself. Like I couldn't even look in the camera with this pinched nerve. It was terrible. And I went through all this stuff. And I remember back then, like I would wake up in the morning and be like, okay, I got to go work out. And I'd physically go to, I had a gym in my building with a pool and everything. I never even set foot in that pool. And I go into the gym. I did it like five times at least. And I walk in and I see the machine and I sat down and I did like 10 reps and I was like, I have my photography business to build. What am I doing here? I got to go. And I go back upstairs and I'd start working on what I was doing. I was like not going to lose at this because there was too much at stake. I had no other you know, plan. I didn't have a plan B that I had to go to. This was it. So I was like, mm-hmm. I have to do this and I have to do it now. And I'm glad I did. I really am glad I did. But 
you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, I really let myself go. I mean, I wasn't in horrible shape. I was fine, but I was definitely, you know, when I was in the Abercrombie and Fitch ads, like Bruce took my favorite picture I ever had of myself. I'm super ripped. And I was like, I want to look like, and now I'm 50 and I look like a fairly close version to that ripped guy who was 30. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it seems like with anything, you could have a really important person in your life, but you still have to do the work. The way you speak about Bruce totally reminds me of how I feel about Sue. I mean, she definitely has been the biggest inspiration of my life, but I still had to do the work. Like, she wasn't going to do it for me. It's like you can take the gift that someone gives you by just believing in you or teaching you or whatever, but you have to run with it and go with it. And whether it's working out or photography, it's like... You just have to be passionate and, and do it. I think it's so great to be inspired by somebody. You know, Sue's great at it. You know, she really does inspire a slew of photographers, and I think it's amazing. And she's so, you know, poignant in the way that she hits her points and stuff, and it's just listening to her speak and everything is just phenomenal. It's very, for me, it's inspiring because I'm like, I want to... I want to speak like, like, look at the, the way she conveys what she's doing and stuff. And we're totally different and stuff like that. But I just love that, you know, seeing the work that others have gotten from spending time with her. It's amazing. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. I mean, you're like, I was looking at your website earlier and, and I feel like the headshots that you take are pretty like revolutionary when you compare just how headshots used to be way back when. And I know you've been doing this for a while, but like my clients are like, I don't want stuffy. I don't want this. I don't want that. And I feel like you do that. You do the sort of contemporary modern and your lighting is just like divine, you know? So I'm curious about, you know, we'll back up in a minute about how you ended up building your business, but can you share with people what your setup is and just what your style is? I know a lot of people out there listening already know who you are, but just for people who, who maybe are just getting in the photography world and might not know. Sure. So, I mean, it kind of stems from the story. So, I wasn't technical. I didn't know anything about lighting. I couldn't even figure out my flash sync. You know, I was like, and I just. (laughs) That was totally me. (laughs) I became the most annoying model on the set. When I picked up a camera, my modeling career went straight downhill. I actually, I had my my agent that I was working with all the time. And they were, they were good, but it was like, I was there for a while. I wasn't growing. I didn't feel, I love them, but I was like, you know, when you just feel like, wow, i maybe I need a change. And this agent from Wilhelmina called me and was like, Hey, and I was shooting for Wilhelmina at this point. And he's like, and I was like, Oh, he's going to talk to me about one of the guys I shot. What's he going to say? And he said, no, no, I didn't call you about that. I said, what'd you call me about? He goes, I want to rep you. Can you come over here and model too? And I was like, what? Wilhelmina? You want me to come over to Wilhelmina's men's board? I was like, I mean, I haven't been wanted as a model. I had, this was like six years into my career or something. I was like, yeah, sure. So I jumped out of this other agency. I was at, went over there, and that guy was there like two weeks, and he like left. He's like, I got to go. And I was stranded over there, and I couldn't go back to my other agency. So my modeling career went straight down the toilet, which forced me even more to concentrate on the photography, which was great in hindsight. Like looking back on it, again, 180 degree loser. My modeling career failure. (laughs) Boom, spin it around. How do you spin that around? Everybody should be thinking about that. The failures that you have are the ones that, I always say, you know, my toughest shoots are the ones I learned the most from. So Yeah, oh yeah. So anyway, I'm not a technical guy. I don't really know what I'm doing. I became the most annoying model on the set trying to become technical because I tried to ask about lighting and do all this stuff with lighting while I'm on the set. I got this job for BMW 
And the guy was like, can you just please model? Because I was like, what's that light doing back there? Why is that light over there? How much, what are you doing with this light? What's that? And what's your <laughs> aperture? What are you doing now? What's that filter on the camera? What is that all about? You got the same camera as me. Oh my gosh, I got that camera. You know, the guy's like, will you shut up and just get in front of the camera and model? <laughs> I forgot I did that BMW job. See, I forget. I forget. Like people always ask me what companies I modify. I was like, I don't, I really don't remember more much of it i remember the big ones but i should have remembered bmw but the, for that experience i remember because once i was doing that like the, my agent even got a call like this guy is like nodding like i had started to lose my abs and stuff so they were like he's not in the shape that he was in his pictures and all he did was ask us what we were sh doing the whole time <laughs> <laughs> so but it didn't help like anybody listening like like light is so I don't know what, it's so difficult to learn how to control it and decide what it is that you want and what you're going for and then to get accustomed to it. So you get a light and you start firing around and you're not, like I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. But I knew that everybody I shot with, it was the same thing. Like my entire career was based off of my modeling career, like what I saw as a model. Like when you're on a modeling shoot, like everybody shot pro photo. Like I never didn't see pro photo in studios. I was like every studio in New York had pro photo. I was like my dream pro photo. So I wrote on, I write gold cards and stuff. So I wrote on a gold card, you know, that I wanted to buy these pro photo lights or whatever. And I used the money from all the photography to build out my gear kit. And it's funny, now I'm like a legend of light for pro photo. And I was like, I was like, I would have flipped out if I knew that was going to happen way back when. But I got the lights. I still didn't know what I was doing. So this guy, I basically, most of my work was natural light. So I, when I got my first, I didn't even get a studio. I was looking for an apartment. So I came back from that Madrid, Spain trip, that Europe trip, because we went to Italy and modeled to my girlfriend and my, Yelly is my wife, my wife and I, we modeled all over Europe together and we went to Sweden and we came back home and I was broke and my brother had an apartment on the Upper East Side and he said I could, he had an extra room. I said, you mind if I move? And he's like, no, can I bring my girlfriend with me? He's like, okay. So six months go by and that's where I started my business. So we had a little living room that I would try and clear stuff out in. I bought these little lights. It was up by Central Park. So I was shooting in Central Park a lot, natural light. I was shooting on his roof. I was shooting in his living room a little bit and six months go by and he goes, and this was one of these turning points in my life because my big brother had always taken care of me. He's the successful one. He's the smarter one. Like he's always got my back to this day. He's like a badass. Hello? No, I just got emotional. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. You're bro your big brother. Oh, no, yeah. Aren't big brothers the best? I love my. I got a baby brother, brother too. Brother. He's a good. He's a good guy too. But my big brother, yeah, it was like it's a lot coming up here because he had offered me a job with him when I got back to New York, and my parents said you have to go do it. And I said, no, I'm going to be a photographer. Shit. <laughs> it's okay. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's big stuff. Anyway, I love the emotion of things. Like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. If something hits me like that, it means the world to me. I just feel lucky that I picked up a camera, so...
So you you told your parents you want to be a photographer, and they said no. Go work for your brother. Ah, yep. My brother was in finance, and he's like, you can come work for me. He was, I mean, he's just amazing at what he did. And then, you know, anyway, years later, the internet bubble crashed and everything, and he his whole firm shut down, and he ended up going off on his own, and I would have been out anyway. But back to the story. Let's see if I can get through it without falling apart again. <laughs> Please leave all of that in there. Oh, yeah, of course. I love kidding? it. kidding? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. You guys, if you're not emotional about photography, and I mean, I didn't have any other plan. Like, this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, there was no way. I did, couldn't see failure in my brain. Like, I was not going to let myself fail at this. But I was six months in his apartment and he go, he comes up to me, he goes, and I was just paying utilities. Like I couldn't afford anything. And he goes, you got to get out of here. He's like, you got to leave. And I was like, I don't have any money. How am I going to leave? And luckily my wife's better looking than me and she was modeling and doing commercials and she was making some money. So I was like, well, I can lean on her while I build this thing. Let's do that. So my brother, <laughs> I, I'll never forget to this day. It was one of those turning points in my life. He goes, he didn't even say you're going to leave. He said, he said, you're a loser. <laughs> like, just like that. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I am. I can't even afford the utilities. I'm a total loser. He's right. I was like, he was right. And it was that like kicking me out of the nest type thing that I went and found a Southern facing window because I didn't know light. And I just got a studio apartment with the Southern facing window. I started my business there. I plopped my butt on the windowsill. I started shooting and I built it up till... One day I got a call that a friend of mine had a little space in his studio and I moved in and it was a little room without any windows and I was shooting natural light and I was like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I'm screwed. So I, I realized then, finally to get to it, I realized at that moment that I needed to see what I was shooting. I wasn't, the strobe just couldn't, I couldn't translate the strobe into what I was doing. I needed to see it. So I needed continuous lights. And this photographer, I was inside a bigger studio in a small room and this photographer was using these fluorescent lights out in the other room. And he left them there over a weekend. Like they, he closed up. I watched what he was doing. I saw it. I saw and I was talking to his assistant and stuff about it. I was like, this is really cool. And then he left and he left the lights there. And I asked the studio man, what's going on with those lights? And he said, well, they're picking them up on Monday. And it was Friday. And I was like, oh my gosh. So of course I came in on the weekend, set them up, started shooting them. And I was like, I'm done. I need continuous light. So I, I developed my style and everything you see in my headshot work around continuous light. So, and I had the ones that I had for years, but then I was starting to do more corporate work and more travel. And I was booking some big stuff. I remember I booked a job shooting the cast and crew lost in Hawaii and I couldn't bring my lights with me to Hawaii. So I was like totally freaking out. And I was like, I need something that's smaller, more portable that I can use, you know, in any, anywhere I want. And I tried to make my own lights, which was a fiasco. And again, my brother was like, okay, here we go. Your people like you. You've got a good idea. Let's make some lights. I was, and I, for some reason, I was like, sure, let's start a lighting company. Why not? And we spent like, I don't even want to say how much, a lot of money, like way more than we should have. And it was like, we went to WPPI with the lights. We made them. I went there. I was getting ready to sell them. I was showing them off. Everybody loved them. We all shot them. I ran around with the suckers everywhere. They were really cool. But I was like, 
this is in the long run. I'm not a lighting company guy. This is not cool. So we shut that down after a while. And then Westcott came to me and they said, look, we love what you were doing. We want to do something with you. What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to make lights like, like that, but I want to do it. I'd love to do it with you. And we designed the first Peter Hurley flex kit and it was a huge success. And now we've got, they've evolved into different things. It's now called the Cinecate from Peter, Peter Hurley Cinecate from Westcott, which is, which is great. And now they come instead of just daylight. Now I've got bicolor. Now I have batteries. I now run around with them everywhere. Again, I, loser. I 180 yeah. loser. <laughs> there it is again. There it is again. 180 degree loser. Oh, that's so funny. Look I at love that. that. I didn't even think about that one yet. Yeah, it was two hundred and fifty grand, by the way, oh that I threw God. into the lights that failed. So I lost that. My brother and I took that hit. So I, ha- I was like, I have to pay him back because he was—he's in finance, and he just put the. And he's like, okay, you got to pay me back. I was like, all right. So I did it. I was able to do it. So it was cool. Wow, wow. Okay, speaking of money, can you tell us how your headshot stuff works? Well, first of all, where are you in New York? What part of New York? I'm in Chelsea, right in, Chelsea. in Midtown. And your studio's yeah. there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is your pricing like for headshots? I mean, like from what I've read and seen, like you are considered, you know, the best headshot photographer in New York. So what is the best photographer? Did you say head- New York? Yeah. Well, the way I feel is that, you know, if I'm the best in New York, well, what happened was I thought I was the best in New York, but I was like, I got to be the best in the U.S. So I opened a studio in L.A. So I was like, okay, so I went out to L.A. Oh, I was going so you're saying forth. you're the best in the country, in the world. Well, ye- well, <laughs> yeah, but if there's an alien out there with a camera, I'm going to take him on in the headshot realm. Oh, I love so, it. I love it. Best in the universe. In the universe. I love it. I heard it here. Okay, what does the best in the universe charge? Like, I, Peter, need some new headshots, and I'm coming to you. What am I going to pay? You got options. And by the way, just to preface that, you guys have to believe in yourselves. Like, you I don't know. even have to tell people that you, like, I am happy to say that because it's it's fun and you know i i did believe like i really my goal was to be the best headshot photographer in new york and there's like 300 of them here or 500 here or something when i started and i started charging 250 bucks because like the average headshot cost was probably around 450 or 500 back then and the top ones were charging a thousand i was like i want to get to the those top ones and i had shot as an actor with one of the top ones one of the ones who i really liked his work and stuff and I was like, I want to figure out how to get on this gravy train. So every month I was busy. I started at 250 because I wasn't sure of myself mm-hmm. and I wasn't really, I didn't know where to go. So when you're out there and you're pricing yourself, there's a couple of things to take into consideration, I believe. One of them is the quality of your product. Like don't jip your customer. Like I always under promise and over deliver. Like I want to make sure they're paying whatever they're paying, they're getting more and then some. So like I charge a thousand bucks now for you get a half hour in front of my camera and you don't get any pictures. Like they got to pay for the pictures that they want after that. But it's like, you know, if you had said to me, then I'm going to give you a thousand dollars for this person coming in your door, I probably would have been like, I would have gotten sick to my stomach. Like you have to feel your pricing. Like it has to feel right to you. And like you're giving them a service that is above and beyond what they're paying for. So that what they pay in, in worth is, is less than what they're going to get out of the shoot. That's the way you have to feel. However, you know, there's a market for wherever you are potentially. So there's a headshot market in, in New York. I'm in New York City and I was fortunate that some other photographer got really smart and said a thousand bucks is what it costs to go to them. 
And I was like, well, if that's the price for them, as I get busier, I'll just keep upping my price. So every mm-hmm. every time I got busy, I would raise it twenty five bucks or fifty bucks or whatever. Anyway, it got up to like five, like six hundred bucks. And this casting director from ABC started sending me everybody, nice. and it was awesome. She's like, "Look, she's like." And the thing, what I was trying to do is, I was trying to make the actors that needed headshots look like they already made it, like they already were celebrities. And she said to me, "You make it easy on me to do my job because the minute I see your picture, like these people look confident, they already look like they've already made it, they look like celebrities already." Totally. I'm sending everybody so to you. Good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I used to do consultations with everybody, and I'd bring them in, and I I, I used to think. I needed consultations to get comfortable with the human being and for the human being to be comfortable with me and for them to make an informed decision about booking me and stuff. And what I realized was that was a crutch because I wasn't good enough as a director. Like now I, I love the challenge of a person walking in my door, me never meeting them before, me putting in them in front of the camera and I do this thing called a one-shot deal where I put them in front of my camera and I wait until I get, I see exactly, I direct them and I see exactly what I want. I hit the shutter and in one shot, I get the best headshot of their life. And I do it with everybody. I just do it. And usually over the, and it's usually true because most people have never been in my lighting and my lighting's fantastic. So they probably haven't been in lighting of that caliber unless they've shot with another pro or something like that. And then over the course of the shoot, we just get better. So by the time they're done, they have so many good ones, they don't know what to do with them all. Mm-hmm. But um, back then, I did these consultations because I wasn't the director I am. I think there's a couple things that you never stop learning as a photographer. One is lighting. Light is so complicated and so amazing totally. and so everything what we do. So you're never going to go get to the end of your rope with lighting. You get your end of your rope with a camera. You buy a camera and all the bells and whistles it does. It's just not going to do anything. Like once you learn all that stuff, it's just not going to do anything. But with direction, you never get to the end of your rope. Like my thing now is, and the thing that I believe is unique about me because as a creative artist, my thing really isn't, I like being technical, I like the look of my work, but it's really about pulling things from the human expression. So I own my client's expression when they're in front of me, whether they know it or not. So I profile them and use a lot of different things to to get them kind of to do exactly what I want, which is the best for them, but it's in a convoluted way. And I'm constantly evolving that because that's my thing. That's what you know, get when I go into the studio, I get excited about the direction that I give to my subject. And a lot of photographers, you know, they shoot a model and they just don't direct and they just think the beauty of the model is going to come through. And I don't believe it comes through unless you direct. So I think that there's a lot of wasted opportunity for photographers out there that, that haven't worked on their direction. So I'm all about direction. Oh, totally. I'm with you 100% on that. People don't know what to do. And even, you know, I'm a photographer. I photographed, you know, thousands of women at this point. And when I'm having my photos done, I am like a deer in headlights. I don't know what to, I'm like, you got to tell me what to do. Because even though I know what to do, you have to tell me what to do. It, it makes all the difference when someone is coaching you. The number one thing that I learned in all my years of shooting that I love the most is that the brain will try to tell you what the face looks like, but it does not know. So your brain, when you're in front of a camera, is telling you what your face looks like. Like everybody listening to this, look out your eyeballs right now. Can you see your face? You can't <laughs> yeah, see your face. Totally. I mean, unless you got a mirror in front of you and then you're flipped, unless you got a like a video conferencing situation mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on and you can see your face, maybe you can adjust. But we don't know what our face looks like. So our brain tries to tell us. So when people get in front of their, the camera, because they would never give the faces that they give to the camera if they knew they look like that. 
It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I think it's a trust thing too, though, because I'm gaining their trust by me showing them, I got you. Like, I'm going to walk you through every step of the way and I'm confident. And I feel like it gives them the opportunity to like be like, okay, she, I trust her. She can do this. It just makes all the difference. Because you're the expert. You are the expert. And you have to behave that way. So yeah, clients totally. come in to me. Most people get the memo that I'm really freaking good. But when they don't, like a lot of corporate people, like they don't know who they're coming to or what this is all about or my pedigree or anything. Right. And they'll walk in. I had a guy walk in last week and the guy was like, well, I don't want these stiff, you know, headshot looking standard things. I want to be animated and doing my thing and doing this, that, and the other thing in front of the camera. And I'm just looking at him and I'm going, this guy talks a big game, but the translation of that, this is a skill set. Like I model, I know you put in front of me in front of a camera, I don't flinch. Like I don't care. I'm 100% can do everything. I teach this workshop called the Headshot Intensive to my Headshot Crew people, which is my coaching platform. And on the third day, I do this thing called the Intensified. And I become a, what I do is I, I give myself a, different persona. So I become Joe the plumber or something. And I, and I empty my studio and one photographer's in my studio using whatever lights or their whole setup. And I knock on the door and I come in as Joe the plumber, right? And I act like Joe the plumber that needs headshots or whoever. Sometimes I'm Felix. Uh, I don't know why I used Felix. He just popped in my brain after I said that. <laughs> but <laughs> Anyway, Steve, the carpet guy, I don't know, whatever. It's a great name. Yeah, I love Felix. He's great too. And his light, like the other thing with his lighting, like the way that he conveys stuff to his students and the way that they absorb it is really cool. So lighting is very tough. So if you get a a photography teacher who can convey it in a way that you absorb it, like Felix does that, and that's amazing. So I'm in there. I'm Joe the plumber, Steve the carpet guy or whatever. And the first thing they normally say to me, and meanwhile, inside I'm Peter, who is like, ridiculous in front of them. Like, I'm ridiculous in front of them. Like, they don't have to say anything. I could do everything. And they say to me, okay, I need you to relax. I'm like, did you ever have somebody tell you to relax? And you were like, oh my gosh, thanks for telling me. I feel <laughs> so much better now. <laughs> you know, the number one thing that, that photographers ask me, the number one question is, how do you get your people to look so relaxed in front of the camera? And I'm like, the answer is simple, but it's not easy, but it's simple. It's, you got to make them forget about the camera. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you're the expert, right, if you're the expert and they believe you and they rely on you and they put their trust in you, guess what's going to happen? They're going to forget about the camera and those are the best photographers. And I've been in front of so many cameras as a model where I didn't trust the photographer and I look out to lunch and I've been in front of cameras where I did and I look amazing and it helps me. Like I I want everybody wants to look good in front of, I never had somebody come in and go, Peter, you know, you're really good, but pull back the throttle a little bit today. I don't need to look so good. (laughs) Exactly. You're so right, though. You're so right. Even during, like, I remember I was eight months pregnant and I was out in Sue's studio and she's like, let's do your maternity photos. And I was like, hell no, that is not happening today. I'm a whale. I feel terrible. Like, I have a headache. She's like, nope, pick something out. Bree, start doing her hair and makeup. And I'm like, shit. You know, but of course I know it's Sue. But in my head, I didn't think she was going to be able to do it, you know? And I, I felt like just gross. So anyways, I'm sitting there and she's like coaching me through. And the next thing I know, I'm like Heidi Klum and I just like feel amazing. And she took the most beautiful photo I've ever seen of myself. And it has everything to do with the way that she commanded the, like 
everything, everything. I trusted her so much and I relaxed. I forgot about the camera, everything that you just said. You know what? It feels really special. You mm-hmm. feel like something's being created. Like she photographed me with my family and, you know, it's very hard to shoot family. So I don't yeah. have, like, yeah. barely. My main kids, my wife, everything, like me shooting them is like totally, it's so hard. <laughs> Disaster when I shoot my kids. <laughs> Sue came to my studio, did a shoot, and it was amazing. They I mean, the kids still talk about it. And I was in the pictures, and it's like you're like putty in her hands. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just, and the thing about this that everybody here should know is that, like, and it's the same with me. Like my personality is one thing. Sue's personality is one thing. We direct totally differently. You have to find your own way to direct. To make you Absolutely. special, you have stuff built in you that you don't even have. You just have to evolve from what you've got built in you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like Sue. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like, you know, whoever else is out there, you know, Joel Grimes or whoever else you follow, Lindsay Adler. You know, you don't have to be like these people. What you have to do is, is understand that we've shot thousands of people and our growth and what you see is from that amount of time that Mm -hmm. we've had people in front of our cameras and we've become more and more and more of ourselves because of confidence. Like I'm confident in my work and what I do and nobody is going to walk in my door and like make me feel like I can't produce Mm an awesome image. You know, you have to go into photo shoots with a vengeance. I'm not letting the person leave without a good picture. It's just not happening. Yeah. You bring up the best point. You don't have to be Peter Hurley. You don't have to be Sue Bryce. I direct completely different from Sue as well. We have very different personalities, very different. But it doesn't matter. Like, I'm still so successful. My clients walk out feeling like, damn, that was fun. That was amazing. I loved that. And normally, they're, you know, people hate having their photo taken. You just gave such a good point. It's all about finding the way that you can interact with people based on your personality and your strengths and what works for you. And like you said, it's practice, it's time, it's keep doing it, it's repetition, it's get confidence, it's all of those things. And sometimes it happens quicker for you know, some people than others, but if you just keep moving forward, like you said, you're going to grow and learn, you're going to get there. Totally. You know, what am I going to teach except for what I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. can only teach what I do. So if somebody's an introvert, you know, they're going to look at me like, like, this guy's nuts. I'm never going <laughs> to say that to my people. Like, I would never do that. And I'm like, but you, you don't have to. Like, mm-hmm. the point is not to, you know, look, I teach a lot of techniques that are awesome that, that you should use. Like, I get it. Like, like I have stuff that, I have this Hurleyisms thing that I discovered that I, and it's based off of, I call it direction by misdirection. So my whole entire operation works off of the person forgetting the cameras is there. I call it camera invisibility. So I'm trying to make the camera invisible for them. So there's a couple ways to do it. And one is one big, huge way is trust. If they trust you, they're going to forget about the camera and have fun. Right. And the other thing is laughter and, and smile. Like we're as photographers, we've been ingrained with freaking say cheese and all this crap to get people to smile. Like it's a very important talent that each photographer has to have to create these situations where people laugh or smile or have fun because otherwise they look fake and we're put on the spot. Like even me, like I'm a professional at getting people to crack up in front of the camera. I love it and I'm really good at it. But if you put me on the spot, I'm going to go in my brain. Uh, uh, okay. What's, what is my, you know, Uh you have to be creating and in a creative space to be able to do it. And what I learned most or what I, I would say, my work evolves the most when I'm working with somebody that's creating with me. Like we're just firing on all cylinders. It's like you're riffing, you know, you're in a zone. It's just unbelievable. And I teach 
everything that I do. So this, if you go to hurleyisms.com, you can see like some of the crap that I say to my subjects. And what it basically is, is I'm trying to, what I found, this is what it came from. It actually came from, cause I was shooting a bunch of actors. And I had all these techniques for actors cause I was one. So I would be like going in, putting them into, you know, role-playing things and stuff like that, which I could do because I had gone, I was in acting class at the time when I started, I was shooting my classmates and stuff like that. So I was working with them in, in that capacity. And with actors, you want to run the gamut of expression. So I'd go from, you know, one side to the other, totally ecstatic and totally pissed off and everywhere in between. That's just the way you did it with actors. But then I got a corporate person in and I remember this guy came in, I pointed the camera at him and I was like, okay, I can't riff. I can't use any actor stuff. That would be weird. I don't want to throw this guy off. What do I say? So I was like, turn to the right, turn to the left, forehead out and down, smile, perfect, okay, great, bye. That's all I had. And I was like, I knew. I was at the, the end of my rope with direction. I was like, this is not good. I need to have direction that works for everybody. And over the years, I have so many things that I love that I even forget about the things that I used to love and I forget to do them. And then some people remind me sometimes. They're like, can you do that thing that you did with that thing? And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't <laughs> done that in so long. Yeah, I'll do that. But what I do is essentially, this is what I found anyway, and it works for me. And it's very, you have to be very confident when you do it. So for some people, it really works well. And it's based on these, this direction by misdirection. And then I did a workshop like my first workshop and I taught this and people are like, you should call them Hurleyisms. I was like, okay, I'll call them Hurleyisms. So my favorite one is somebody gets in front of my camera. I point the camera at him and I look down the barrel of the lens. I look at him and I go, don't look so miserable, right? Immediately, usually that creates a smile. If it doesn't, then you got, then they're really into the camera. Like they're really paying attention. So yeah. that's where I always yeah. started. I always started there. So what I found was that human beings like to be right. They like to be right more than they're worried about their appearance. And their appearance is really high up on the list. Like appearance for people is way up there. Like people walk around like consumed by their appearance all day. Mm -hmm. But being right beats it. That's even better. So when you direct your subject and like you tell them something to do, they actually want to do whatever you says because they want to be right. They want to make sure they get it right. So I'll say things to my subject like, hey, can you just real quick, just throw this in there. Can you reticulate your eyebrows for me? And I'm like, what does that word mean? <laughs> yeah, no, just, and then I shoot and I'm like, no, you didn't reticulate them. Can you reticulate them? And then they just like, they look at me like, but they want to be right, so they won't say they don't know what reticulate means. Oh, they I would say straight it. up be like, I have no idea what that word means. <laughs> yeah, some people do. So it's a personality. It's <laughs> totally. very cool because I feed into personalities like that. Like if you did that to me, now we're going to work well together because I can throw anything at you and mess with you. But if you don't say anything, then I just say, well, reticulate. I had a writer in here who knew what reticulate means. And I was like, I need you to reticulate your eyebrows. She was like... She, and, and I take the shot. It's always the first shot. Like, they look at me like I'm nuts. And I'm like, no, you didn't reticulate. She goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> she was not going to be wrong. She wasn't going to be right, wrong. Right. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I, you cannot reticulate your eyebrows. Do you know what reticulate means? I said, I think so. She goes, it means to form a net. I cannot form a net with my eyebrows. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you moved them. And we, I, it was pretty funny. And, and you got a pretty good shot out of it. <laughs> I was like... She started, she was pissed. But usually what that does is I use directional things too. Like if they're in my studio, the Empire State Building's out the, out the window. So I'll be like, hey, tilt your head towards the Empire State Building. And they look, they're, they're like, 
there's this, and the point of it is this. So it's essentially, I'm filling their brain with something other than, oh my gosh, my face, I'm fat, Mm -hmm. my hair's a mess, I'm paying how much for this, this is all. You want to get all that clutter out of there and you want to, so it's essentially this. So everybody listening right now, uh, control, you're going to control your subject's thoughts by sneaking something by them. So they, like, we can't multitask real well as human beings. Like we have like little things we can do, but if you give them information and they want to be right in there, the camera's very powerful. Like I've had, you know, very powerful people in front of my camera. Like I had this thing where I was like shooting a bunch of billionaires and I was like, I want to shoot billion. I want to shoot like a hundred of them. I don't know how many I've shot by now, but every time, like I never had anybody in front of my camera look in it and not be like controlled by it. Like it's so, such a, important thing to be recorded like that so the camera gives us our power as the photographer so you have to use that wisely and you have to decide how you're going to use it so now i don't know where i was going jeez well i know where i'm going because i really want to be photographed by you like i feel like you now have me convinced (laughs) that i have to like experience this so we'll have to one day i would love that for sure because the way you just like set that up oh wait okay i'm going to control all your thoughts right now (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is the premise behind what I was doing. And the thing is, now I'm going off on a tangent again, but the thing is, is that this is one area that I use in my work. And honestly, these days, it's like, I used to be 80% of my direction. Now it's maybe five or 10%. So things change, like as you get better. Right now, I'm very into sounds hocus pocusy, but the energy of the human being that I'm photographing mm-hmm. and utilizing that and being intuitive and mm-hmm. getting it that way. And it's different. It's on a different level. And it's just because I'm now, maybe it's because I'm 50 and I don't give a shit and I want to be better. Oh God. When I turned 40, I was like, yes, I can't wait to turn 50. Wait, real quick though. Speaking of like shooting and, and hearing you do all of this, you're actually doing a shoot for Portrait Masters, so we can see you doing all this, right, for the conference? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's different. That was like, I was petrified, I was up against amazing photographers, I was like... What do you mean? Tell me more. (laughs) Up against photographers. What were you guys doing, like a shootout? Yeah, we were doing a shootout. So yeah, you guys should watch this. This is cool. So we did this thing where where I was part of the Canon shootout, I'm a Canon Explorer Lite, they just gave me the R5, I was so excited, and Portrait Masters came to my studio, and they shot all week, and I was like the first one to go which I was fine with. I was like, yeah, I'll go first. Oh my gosh. But I don't ever compete against photographers. Like I'm not, like I don't put my work out there to get critiqued or put it up against anything or enter into anything or it's just, I'm an artist and this is what I like and you can take it or mm-hmm. leave it. That's the way I feel. Yeah. So when they asked me to do, it, I was like, yeah, sure I'll do it. I mean, I don't care if I win or lose. I mean, I, well, I guess I do. I'm a pretty competitive guy, Olympic athlete. Like I want to, you know, do well, but the photographers on my computer are so amazing. So, you know, and Sue didn't pull any punches, like she got the best. So we had to shoot one model in, I think it was a half hour. They gave us a half hour and all the same model. And they brought in wardrobe and we could pick whatever we wanted. And each photographer had to shoot the same model, however they wanted. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I did my thing. I was like, my thing's a simple white background, direct thing. Like, use the direction, connect with the model, see what we can get. So we had some fun, and Johanna is the model, and she's amazing, and I pride myself on the connection with my subjects, and 
to this day, like we're friends now. Like we, we, I've photographed her after the fact and stuff. It's like, it's just, I think it's so important to get somebody in front of your camera and capture an image of them. And it's just, it's just huge. And trying to do it in a short period of time when you're under the gun being, being filmed and, you know, then you've got the stress of trying to compete with other people. And for me, competition's all about creation. Like I failed at the Olympics because I wasn't creative enough. It wasn't the, the guy, the best guys in the world were amazing, but I beat myself. They didn't beat me. I let them beat me, you know? And, and it's the way that I feel about stuff like this. Like if my creativity wasn't enough on that shoot, I won't win. But you know what? That's the way it goes. And it was so fun that Portrait Masters is doing that stuff. And I was just excited to have the studio filled with people and be able to photograph. It was amazing. It was awesome. Mm, I can't wait. I can't wait. There's something that is just so great and like such a learning experience when you're seeing people that you know have been doing this for a long time seeing them in an action and especially if you guys are like getting competitive with each other like pulling out all the stuff like i'm excited it's gonna be fun you know it's pretty cool because i mean we're competitive you know when we're shooting and stuff but but it's like i love the photo industry like the teachers that you know because i feel like i'm a student of the game too I mean, I don't really go around and sit in classes or listen to teachers or anything like that. But if I am around and somebody's shooting or I, or I happen to walk by a room, I'll sit in and, and pull something out of it for my work. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not stopping. Mm-hmm. I'm not at the, the end of my rope. I didn't learn everything. I mean, everybody's got something that you can pull into your own game. I love this quote from Bruce Lee. I pulled it up and he said, one of my students said this to me. He goes, you know, because I needed the answer for the photographer who wasn't, it was like an introvert because I'm a, totally an extrovert. Like I get behind the camera, I go nuts. I love it. But the photographer who wants to learn from me that's an introvert isn't going gonna, gonna to be like, like, maybe they won't even come. I've, we've had people call my assistant and be like, I don't know if I can handle a weekend workshop with Peter. Is he that animated the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Like I might die from my energy yeah. being sucked out of me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm I'm more of an extrovert yeah. too, so I feel you. She's like, no, it's not like he's normal. He's fairly normal. So I always found that funny. And and it's true because if you look at I put on a persona of this amped up energy yelling shebang and everything for you know, when I go on video and stuff like that as a as a just a create attention or in a buzz or whatever for what I'm doing, I guess. But yeah, if you spend a weekend with me, it's game on. Like we got work to do. Like it's got to happen. So anyway, I needed an answer for people that were learning from me, but weren't going to have the personality traits that I have to step out of their comfort zone or through a terror barrier to, you know, direct the people the way I direct. So Bruce Lee had this quote where he was studying every martial art and incorporating little bits and pieces into his own thing. And then he studied American boxing and he pulled bits and pieces of that and put that into what he was doing. And he said, absorb what is useful, discard what is useless and add specifically what is your own. And I think as artists and creative people, you've got the creativity inside you. It's buried somewhere under there. And some of you have let it out and let it fly. You know, I always had my creativity stifled throughout my life because I was you know, the 180 degree loser. Like I was not creative. The only thing I was creative with was in a sailboat. Like I wasn't good at school. I wasn't like art class. I was, I, my hammering is the worst thing you ever seen. I never felt like a creative individual. You know, it really 
took its toll on me, I guess. But when I picked up a camera, I just felt like maybe this is it for me. And it opened up a lot for me and my personality and me to be creative. So you guys, whenever you're learning from somebody, just do what this quote says. You're going to absorb what's useful. You're going to discard what's useless. Just throw it out if it doesn't work. Pick the bits mm-hmm. and pieces that you can incorporate into what you're doing. And then you're going to add on top of it what your own. And what your own is built in. You don't have to search for it. It's there. You have to like excavate it. You have to, you have to find it. You have to, it's mm-hmm. inside you. You've mm-hmm. got to work to dig it up. But the digging happens when you're in tune with your subject. Your brain will give you everything you need when you're in tune with your subject. When you have a tough subject in front of you, you go into, into a different mode. You go into repetition mode, I say. Repetition is, is the basis of everything. It's the first law of learning. It's what you got to do. You've got to build a shtick based off repetition. Like You should ha- always have repetition in your back pocket because that's your go-to. That's yeah, your look. Absolutely. That's your style. That's the way you shoot. That's the lens you have. That's the lighting you have. That's everything that's your go-to that you know everything's going to come out great if you go to this. You go to that when you have a hard subject because you know you're going to do the best that you can with them the way they are. Now, Let's say you get a super creative person, you're on the same plane, you're on the same playing field, you're having a blast. That's when you go into creative mode and you go nuts and you try stuff. I'll be like, well, let's throw the light over here. Let's do, you know, yeah, let's, yeah, let's try sure. this. Why don't you do that? Oh my gosh. And then you get the gold. And then you have to capitalize on it. If you don't write down the things that you did that day, you will forget them and they'll never come back to your brain. Totally, totally. I, I can think of just different you know, photography sort of courses or classes I've been to, or even not even photography related, but I've never really been the kind of student that can sit and absorb and just like sit still and take it all in. Like I'm the one that goes to the bathroom five times. I'm like looking around the room. So I always kind of set this goal for myself. If I can just walk away with one thing that I can implement into whatever it is that I'm learning, just, just give me one thing. And of course there's always more than that. But like you said, some of this stuff I'm just going to disregard because my brain only has the capacity and the attention span for so many things. And man, if you can just take those couple things or one thing and go with it, like you said, it's just such, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's huge. It's how you build your whole thing. Mm-hmm. And don't look at other photographers. You know, obviously, I mean, you can copy stuff to grow, but if you're going to be, you know, your own you know, thing and you're running your own operation and doing something really special, you've got to stretch and you've got to mm-hmm. find what your look is, create your own look, create your own stuff. Like I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm coming up with words. I was like, I can't trademark this squinching thing because I was making people do it all the time. I was like, I got to come up with something for this. And I was like, I'll make up words. I don't care. I'm an artist. I can make up whatever I want. <laughs> totally. I love it. Who makes up words in this world anyway? <laughs> Actually, my son did. There you go. See, he made up this word. It's a pontuber. So he was like, Mama, let's play sharks and boat. I'll be the sharks and you can be the pontuber. And I'm like, what's a pontuber? He's like, you know, when we go in the pontoon and there's kids tubing behind the pontoon, they're the pontubers. And I was like, That's oh my gosh. Awesome. That is a it. new word. He's four. And I'm like, That's fantastic. Write it down. Yeah, you have to remember that. Put it in the dictionary. From now on, we're pontubing. Like it's perfect. Yeah. 
Urban yeah, Dictionary right now. Go in there yeah. and make it up so it's it gets listed. That'd be great. Yeah. They listed Squinch for me right off the bat. I was like, cool. They got Shebang. Sweet. I think I got Lookability. I made up the word Lookability and Images' ability to secure attention from an onlooker. Oh, my gosh. Um, I love it. I defined it. I put it in there. That is amazing. Yeah, I make up words. Very cool. Real quick, let me do the mind control thing that I do with my oh, subjects because yeah. I yep. said I was going to do it five times. All right, so I'm going to control all your thoughts. And the premise is when I'm shooting, I do this to get their brain off the camera whatever you do right now you're not allowed to think about a pink elephant i don't even i can't even imagine what a pink elephant looks like well you just saw it i did like the what you must have now i did unless you're not human no now i did so what happens is is we think in pictures so what happens is when you say something like that a pink elephant most of the people listening, I don't know about you, Nikki, but <laughs> should have flashed across the screen of your mind. It should have flashed across the screen of your mind if you were paying attention. And in that split second, you couldn't have thought about a camera. So no. that's the premise behind yep. what I'm doing. I'm trying to fill their thoughts with something to get their brain off the camera so that they do relax without saying relax, yeah. relax. That doesn't work. Yep, yep. And then that's, that's the premise behind it. So everything's kind of like that. You're, you're creating this atmosphere for them where you're building trust and then you're saying things that they want to, you know, listen to so that they get the best picture that they can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, okay. So I have a couple more questions for you. You already answered one of them with your quote from Bruce Lee, which I love that quote, by the way. I'm glad you said that one. Oh, I had another quote ready for you that I was going to. Oh, well, sweet. I'll ask you again then. Okay. Number one, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? On uh, my flex kit. Oh, there you I go. I mean, my lights. Yeah. I made them because I need them with me at all times. So I need to travel with them. I need them, you know, and it, this is what it stemmed from. I did the shoot for Lost in Hawaii, and I was like, I don't have my, my lights with me. And I have to shoot differently because of that. And now I made my lights. Westcott's an amazing partner. The lights are incredible, and I go everywhere with them. Awesome. So I can't. Yeah, I can't shoot without yeah. them. I love them. I use them for just about everything I'm I'm doing. I, I use them 100 for every headshot I take, but I also use them for my portraits and and everything. So very they're, cool. They're great. I'll mix them with strobes too. Yeah, very cool. Okay, number two. How do you spend your time when you're not working? I mean, I know sailing and working out, but is there anything else? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a cool thing. So I did this. So I was at this event, and this guy was just started following me. He was a like a blogger type guy and he had a camera. He's like, can I just video you a little bit? And I was like, sure. And he asked me something like that. And I was like, I don't know. I'd like to do whatever I think's cool. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, just do what I think's cool. He's like, okay, that's what we're calling the video. Do what you think's cool. I was like, all right. So he put it out there. So I'm big on goal setting and trying to figure out what I want. And, you know, living in Manhattan and raising kids and a family and having a studio and having all these expensive, obviously I have to have a successful business. But at the same time, I love sailing. So I sailed all the time. I was like, one year I was like, I want to be a world champion. I'm going to make the goal to be a world champion. And I'm going to sail all over the world. And I'm going to still be able to make a living. And how am I going to do that? So I have to figure that out. And I was like, this is what I think is cool. This is what I want to figure out. So I was able to start an online business, you know, with my headshot crew and coaching the photographers and then making tutorials and having like, like all that stuff going while I can shoot anywhere in the world. And then I was doing workshops all over the world. So anywhere where there was a big regatta, I just do a workshop to so pay for the yeah, regatta so smart. and I make some money. Yep. I love that. So I was like, do what you think's cool. And yep. being able to do that has been huge. And you, you know, figuring that out because I was 
I think it's all about, you know, having, and I mean, in this day and age, who knows what's going on? I mean, it's just crazy. But my, you know, obviously shooting's down for everybody. And especially if you're a portrait photographer and you need a human in front of you, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more challenging th- mm-hmm. these days. But the thing was, is that for years I had one source of income. Like somebody had to walk into my studio and stand in front of my camera and I had to press the button to get paid. So that means I had to be there. I needed a human there willing to pay me and I had to do the work. And that's great. That's one source of income. I need to figure out how can I hang in my studio when I want to and be out of it when I feel like going sailing or doing whatever I'm doing. And that's when I figured out the other ideas for sources of income that I could have. So products and things of that nature and all that other stuff. And I'm still working on it because it's, it's, I enjoy it and it's what I think is cool. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Number three is what's your favorite inspirational quote other than Bruce Lee? I've never made one of my discoveries through the process of rational thought. Albert Einstein. I've never made one of the, say it one more time. I've never made one of my discoveries through the process of rational thought. Huh. I love it. So my thing is that we're all creating, right? So, and then I read that and I was like, oh my gosh. Because I didn't think of the stupid thing to say to the people rationally. I was like, you can't say, you know, flare your right nostril to somebody. Like, who says that? You can't say that to somebody. But I was like, I can say it and I'm going to say it. And I say it and people try. I'm like, no, you flared both. You didn't do your right. You did both. And that was all to create laughter. So, And what's the reason behind laughter on a photo shoot? If they're laughing, guess what? They're relaxed. Yep. And they're not thinking about the camera. And yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And I get great smile shots. And then I get the best serious shot after I've made them crack up. Because why? If you smile, what do the muscles in your face do? They all contract. Yep. So what happens at the end of the smile? They relax. Ooh. Ah. I see. I was picking that up right there. Ah. Yep. Yep. That makes such total sense. I love it. That's it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, one more question for you. What would you say to people who are just getting started? Oh my gosh. So I think the photographer's journey is pretty much the same for, I mean, it's very rare, I think, that, that somebody picks up the camera and goes, okay, I'm just going to shoot this right now my whole career and this is it, you know, and knows what that is. I mean, I just think that you pick up a camera because it, you like taking pictures and it's cool and it's like, wow, this is fun. What, what, I'll point this at somebody to something and take the picture and it's cool. Like, I didn't know, like I'm a portrait photographer because I was a model, period. Like, there's no way, you know, I mean, I took a photography class in high school and I don't have one picture of a person. I have a bunch of pictures of like crap that I shot, you know? It's mm-hmm. like a fireplace and my dog and like, I got a double exposure on my dog. I have these pictures, you know? And then when I picked up a camera, it wasn't about, like I said before, when I, when I had that little episode, which was kind of nice and feels good to get emotional sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. I Heck like yeah, it does. I love it. Yeah. So there was not going to be any failure, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got a camera. I bought it. I got to make money back with it. I got to figure out how. Anything that I can put in front of this thing that I'll get paid for, I am going to do. And that's what my mentality was. And I shot everything. I mean, I shot my first job. I got very, I don't know if this has anything to do with a 180 degree loser, but one of my friends who's a sailor, I grew up sailing with. And 
we've never been super close, but we, I guess we stayed in touch. I don't know how we got back in touch, but she was in New York and she was an art buyer for a huge ad agency. And she was working with big, massive, like big companies. And Reebok was one of them. Levi's was one of them. And I just said to her one day, I was like, I, could, I picked up a camera. She goes, you did? Cool. Show me some of your stuff. And I had just gotten back from that Stockholm, like from that Europe trip. And I had just started shooting some stuff. So I showed her some black and white stuff. And she said, great. I'll give you, if anything comes up, I'll let you know. And she was doing like huge ad campaigns. And she calls me one day. She goes, look, I got a pair of uh, sneakers I need you to shoot. We did this ad camp. So anytime that there was a shoot where something needed to be fixed, like she started calling me. And I just, I hadn't even charged for a session with a human yet, like, or anything. And I was like, okay. So she got me the, the sneakers and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I made like a little backdrop and I, I did natural light. I plopped my butt on the windowsill and I pointed the camera at the sneakers. They just wanted a black and white shot of the sneakers to put into this Reebok ad. I called Bruce and I remember, I was like, Bruce, I got this job. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is, this is crazy. I'm like, he's like, just shoot the sneakers. Stop it. Settle down. <laughs> I was like, go take the pictures. I was like, okay. So she was my friend. So she had a budget. I didn't say anything about what I wanted to get paid or thought there was no nothing, no conversation whatsoever about that. I shot the sneakers and I gave them back to her and I gave her the images and she said, that's great. They photoshopped the sneakers into the ad because the shoot that they did with the model had one pair on and they needed the other pair photoshopped in. So I needed to shoot them. And that was, I don't know, I had them, they bent my, a shot of my sneaker into, into a dog's mouth. Anyway, the first one she gave me, I was like, well, she goes, I'm going to give you $3,000 for that. I was like, and I had never made a dime with photography. And it was like, I had picked up the camera a month ago. I was like, what? I was like, okay. <laughs> so she calls me. She goes, you did a great job. We're going to give you another one. So they shot this Spider-Man ad and Spider-Man wasn't wearing the right sneakers. So I had to shoot the sneak. So I had got, so what I would do is I'd get the ad and then I'd look at the angle and look at the lighting and try and, and use natural light and some, you know, V flats or whatever I had, like, I wasn't, didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't a product photographer either, but I just had to make it close because the retoucher was really good and they just needed the base shot for her to do whatever she wanted with it. So she gave me another pair of sneakers and I shot that. And no kidding, that was, the year was, I know exactly the year because I shot them in the apartment I moved in. It was 2001. Yeah, and it was like the summer. I started in the summer maybe or in the spring. And by the end of the year, she had given me 11 pairs of sneakers. Nice. That's awesome. It was amazing. Very It was cool. amazing. Well, Peter, I am so excited for the Portrait Masters Conference. I know you're in the Canon shootout with Carl Ferguson, Susan Stripling, and Lara Jade in you. So I cannot wait. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming onto the podcast with us and just sharing everything and just getting personal with me. And yeah, it was awesome. So thank you. You're amazing. I love talking to you. I hope I didn't, I just talk and I don't, shut up and you were very generous with <laughs> it was just the back and forth with you for me it's about the person i'm talking to i just feel like i have to meet you now and i got to get you in front of my camera at some see point. that's what i'm saying that was my goal no <laughs> isn't that amazing <laughs> awesome you're a good storyteller i'm sure you if we had more time i would love to hear more stories but unfortunately just for time's that's sake okay. yeah <laughs>
That's all right. I want to say one thing though. I was honored to have Sue invite me to speak at the Portrait Masters, you know, years ago. And um, it was amazing. I just loved it. I did this talk. I was really trying to get deep with people. And I think I pulled it off. It was amazing. You I did. Know it's, I was it's there. It's probably it was on the incredible. site. Or, mm-hmm. You were there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I loved yep. it. I loved it. And then I was like, I, I was like, I know that, you know, running a conference, they should have, they need the opportunity to bring a bunch of people in. So I was like, I don't know if, you know, if, if Sue ever wants to have me come back or do anything. So when they asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> this is so, so cool. good. So I'm so glad to be back and uh, doing stuff with them and with Sue and just, I mean, it's just amazing. It's so cool. And I hope everybody listening and everybody at the Portrait Master, like at the virtual conference really enjoys it because we're doing the best we can with what we got mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. And we're still trying to be as inspiring as we can. Totally. And I hope everybody enjoyed this little talk. I enjoyed it. This is great. Good, good. And you know, when it comes to the Portrait Masters with George planning it, it'll be great. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's gonna be fun with George behind it. But yeah, no, this was great. This is, yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. You don't even know. I don't know. Half the time, I don't know what I do without George. Like George gives me confidence. Like anytime I'm questioning what I'm doing, I bounce <laughs> it off George. So I love him I too. I know, he's the best. All right, Peter, you have a wonderful day and I will see you. Well, I'll see you online. I'm helping Sue host the Portrait Masters. So I'll be, I don't know if I'll be introducing you or not. I have no idea. I'll find out. Well, that's awesome. Because <laughs> we're doing it live. You guys got to pre-record. Sue and I are going to be live. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah, I have no idea what they, if they expect anything out of me when it's going on, but I'm, ha- I'm around if, if, if you need me. Yeah, awesome. Or if Sue needs me, I'm sure they'll let me know if I'm, if I'm just watching. I got to watch. I wanna, I'm nervous. Like, like I'm up against some major talent. <laughs> well, you're a ma- <laughs> major talent though. too, but she, Sue wouldn't have done that to you if she didn't believe that you were the same caliber. So awesome. All right, Peter, you take care. All right. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.